Welcome, everybody. It's time to grab a board, catch a wave, and we're going to swim out into the sales pipeline with your host, Matt Hines. Hey, Matt. Hey, Paul. How we doing? I'm doing good here. I'm feeling good. The sun's shining. The waves surf is up. We're looking forward to a good day in SoCal here. Well, we're looking forward to a great episode here at Sales Pipeline Radio as well. You know, we've been talking about surfing, and you've had all kinds of great analogies for the sales pipeline over the last couple of years. We've been doing this show. Last week, uh, we were on uh, – we had a rerun of one of our best episodes so far this year because I was actually down in Surfland, not clo- not far from you. There you go. I uh, was down with my family in the uh, north coast of San Diego, and uh, I am not a surfer. I do not, I can't even balance uh, <laughs> on a sidewalk, let alone a surfboard in Come the middle on. of the rolling sea. Come on. But uh, – Certainly enjoyed my my kids got to learn how to wakeboard a little bit, um, so they had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, just beautiful weather down in the San Diego area. Nothing better than when that wave curls over uh, the the pipeline, as they call it, and you just shoot <laughs> right through it. There, that's what you do. It is it is a pipeline as well, and you know it's, it's so funny you can use the pipeline in so many contexts. But uh, enjoyed a good week off. Thanks everyone for joining us back here live on Sales Pipeline Radio. You can catch us each week, even if we're on rerun. We are on, on the Sales Pipeline Radio or the uh, Lead Management Radio Network at two thirty Eastern, eleven thirty Pacific. Every Thursday, you can catch past episodes to catch up on what you may have missed at salespipelineradio.com. And if you like what you hear, I appreciate you joining us. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our podcast at Google Play or the iTunes store. Very excited today to have joining us Michael Pickey. He is the director of sales for HubSpot and uh, his is, is a great story and some great insights to share on what's happening in sales today. I'm particularly excited to hear his story and uh, how he's grown up in, in sales, in his work with, uh, uh, with HubSpot and others. So, Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, want to talk about, you know, what you're learning and what you're doing on the sales front with HubSpot. I think, you know, everyone has seen HubSpot as a very successful sales success story. But want to start with your story. You know, how did you get into sales and when did you know that sales was something that you would want to pursue as a career? Good question. I think, um, you know, sales, I think uh, in some ways I was I was born into it. I had a uh, I had a business when I was six years old. And what I used to do was uh, go to folks' houses in my neighborhood and collect their, uh, you know, old uh, soda and beer cans. And I would bring them back to the store and uh, cash them in for the for the money from the deposits and then split it 50-50 with the folks that were kind enough to let me uh, uh, operate the service for them. So I've, I've been, I started door-to-door selling when I was six years old. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the fundamental uh, desire for me to get into the sales career really came from my father. Um, you know, I think, you know, my dad had a corporate job his whole life. And, uh, you know, when I was going through high school, I think my dad was starting to really feel some frustration around his job and, uh, you know, wasn't having an awesome time at work. And he actually, you know, kind of re, uh, restarted his career, even in his fifties, um, in a, in a sales role and, and really found a ton of passion for it, really enjoyed the ability to control his own destiny, um, as opposed to kind of being under somebody else's microscope. And I think, you know, I was really hearing a lot of that message and a lot of the formidable years of my upbringing. So, um, you know, I think just had a, had a real desire to control my own destiny from a really, you know, early stage. And I think that was all around me. And, um, you know, always, always have enjoyed the profession, always have enjoyed, uh, you know, building relationships and, you know, helping other folks uh, get wins. So, you know, for me, I think a lot of it came pretty natural and just kind of a part of my upbringing. 
No, that's great. And I think, uh, you know, we hear a lot of people in sales think of it as sort of their opportunity to play an entrepreneurial role in, in a larger organization, really to sort of own their own destiny. I mean, there's, it's high risk, high reward, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it can be an incredibly lucrative opportunity, especially right out of school. And, you know, as, as a UConn grad, go Huskies. I'm a, I'm a University of Washington grad, so we can both say go Huskies and, and mean it. Uh, you know, spend some time in insurance and financial services. And, you know, curious what, you know, what drove you to move from financial services into tech and into the startup world, what you got you started at HubSpot? Yeah, the cool thing about starting in financial services is I think it's one of the few industries where you're really, uh, you really get full ownership of your book right out of school, right? It's, a, it's one of the few entry-level sales positions that you can take where, you know, you're not, um, you know, you're not just setting up appointments for somebody else. You're not in a, in a, in a strict demand gen capacity. You really get ownership of a book very early on. And I think that provides, you know, a, a, a young salesperson with a tremendous amount of opportunity to grow and learn and, and really understand how to kind of juggle the demand gen and, and sales process responsibilities that go into the role. So I think it's an awesome place to start. I think for me, what I found um, in the insurance business was I really developed a passion for, for lead generation. I started um, obviously by literally ripping out you know, uh, white pages uh, on the telephone book and calling people at dinner time to sell them auto insurance. And uh, I think, you know, pretty early into my tenure, I, I said to myself, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And so, you know, I logged online, I started looking for, you know, different ways to pursue lead generation strategies. And I found a bunch of companies that actually were kind of in like the lead aggregation space. So you see these folks like NetQuote or InsureMe.com or these folks that will actually, um, you know, generate form submissions for folks looking to, to, to evaluate their insurance and then, you know, reselling those submissions to agents. And, and I got into that business and I just absolutely found it fascinating. And uh, really, really thought that the online lead gen was cool, really was fascinated about how it worked. And through my own kind of research, uh, you know, I stumbled upon HubSpot and, and really saw HubSpot as a way to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, create that same effect for myself, which was cool, and take more of that lead gen responsibility into my own hands uh, and have the power to affect that, uh, you know, from my individual seat, which I thought was really cool. And I, I became pretty fascinated with the idea of being able to teach and educate others on how to really, uh, you know, take their, uh, you know, lead generation into their own hands and how to be able to grow their business in an inbound way, um, and give people the education and tools necessary to do so. So I felt a really strong affinity towards HubSpot and what the mission was. And I wasn't seeking to go from insurance to tech. I was really um, just really enamored with, with HubSpot's mission. And, and I was really excited to jump on board and, and share the, um, you know, share the learnings that I got, you know, with others. I love that story. We're talking to Michael Picky, who's the director of sales at HubSpot. Great story, starting out right out of school in the sales environment, moving over to HubSpot. Uh, tell me, I mean, you so you joined HubSpot, and very quickly you moved from an account executive to a senior manager to now a director of sales. Uh, you know, you started you know, st- starting from scratch, uh, you know, in the organization. Tell us what's that like and sort of what did you learn along the way or were some of the lessons you've learned as you sort of moved up the ranks very quickly? Yeah, and, and people always ask me, um, how did you do it? Uh, you know, when I interview folks or, or when I'm speaking to, to people at conferences or, um, you know, industry events, they always ask, like, how did you accelerate your career so quickly? What was, what was like, the secret there? And, um, you know, I think you talk to a lot of folks in the business that perceive it as, okay, if I'm an individual contributor in sales, what I need to do is I need to crush my number, I need to be the number one salesperson uh, in my organization, and I need to wait in line for the next management job to open up. 
that seems to be, you know, when you talk to people, I think for the most part, the impression that folks are under um, for, for how to accelerate your career very quickly. And I, I took a very different route uh, to, to being able to, to, to kind of climb the corporate ladder, if you will, but it really didn't feel like a climb of any type of ladder at the time. Um, so what happened was I joined HubSpot as an account executive in 2012. And when I joined HubSpot, we were an inbound marketing company. We were really focused on helping folks uh, attract and uh, convert, uh, you know, leads on their on their website and through their internet presence. And, you know, we developed into, you know, also having some marketing automation capabilities. And we became kind of a full marketing platform really early on. And I was an account executive under that context. And uh, I remember I went to a company meeting and I heard our founders talking about the desire to start to uh, become a multi-product company and to actually get into the sales software space. They were talking about they wanted to build CRM. They wanted to build a sales acceleration product. And I just said to myself, wow, like that's really where the puppet's headed here. It's very cool. And the thing that I did was I said, okay, if this is where our company is headed, there's going to be a bunch of things that we're going to need to execute upon along the way to get there. They're going to need a marketing site. They're going to need lead gen for this new uh, business. They're going to need a sales process for how to sell this thing. Like there's going to be so much innovation that's going to be required in order to, to achieve this new mission that we're on. And I simply just got ahead of it. So I think um, the, the approach I took was to continue to do an awesome job in my day job. But then I took it upon myself to actually build the first ever uh, marketing site for our sales products and our CRM. And so I put a website up, I branded it, I started doing my own inbound marketing and started trying to generate leads for our new product uh, on the site. And three months into you know my kind of nights and weekends project, I had a website that was generating thousands of website visitors a month and was generating hundreds of leads a month you know, for HubSpot's business. And it was, it was pretty exciting and I was feeling a little proud of it. So I sent it to our CEO and I just said, Hey, Brian, check this out. This is something I've been working on on nights and weekends. And it's kind of aligned with, I think, where you want to head. And I got an introduction to uh, the gentleman at the time who was tasked with uh, kind of starting that new division of our company and, and building the, the new product. And him and I really hit it off and, and became, um, just good friends through the process. Christopher O'Donnell, who today is our uh, is our head of product at HubSpot, and you know him and I really bonded and formed a friendship. And he would ask me for my feedback on the new stuff he was working on. Um, I think he appreciated from me that I was a builder and that I was kind of getting out ahead of stuff, and I was you know taking on and learning new things that were just outside of my specific role. So. Uh, I actually joined that team in 2014. I never had to interview for the job, never had to do anything. They kind of came over to my desk and said, "Hey, pack up your stuff. Uh, you're moving over to the you're moving over to the product team." And I joined with a team of six software engineers and a and a product manager. And you know, we built HubSpot sales division from from nothing to you know the substantial uh, you know portion of our of our uh, business as it is today. So. Super exciting ride for me, but I think the, the lesson that, that I really try to get across there is that, you know, growing your career is more more than about just doing an awesome job in the, the role that you have today and, and then waiting in line for that next opportunity. It's really about understanding the direction that your company is going in and trying to get ahead and, and serve the needs of uh, the business ahead of those things becoming problems or major initiatives. Um, so really trying to innovate within the guardrails that your company has set I think is a is a fantastic way to set yourself apart from you know uh, folks that you work with or other colleagues or or other uh, players in your industry, and I think that's where you start to be viewed 
as having something special or, or being somebody who's different and, and being somebody who people are, are really excited to um, to call on and get perspective from and to invite into you know different situations. Um, yep. And it doesn't always feel like yep. a promotion. I, uh, you know, when I hopped over, I felt like I was lost and that I had a job that was nothing like I had ever done before. I went from you know carrying a quota to trying to find product market fit, and I had never done anything like that. But Right, um, right. Throughout that, you get presented with a lot of new, interesting opportunities that uh, that take you to different places. Absolutely. Hey, we're uh, having a great conversation with Michael Picky from uh, Director of Sales from Spot. We got a few more questions, but we got to take a little quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back. This is Matt Hines, Sales Pipeline Radio. It's no longer enough for B2B marketers to feed their sales team with qualified leads, supply them with content, and bid them good luck the rest of the way. Today's full funnel marketers are actively working side-by-side with the sales team throughout every stage of the buying journey and sales process, embracing revenue responsibility and measuring their impact based on not just sales pipeline contribution, but marketing influence on closed business and direct revenue growth. Download your free copy of Matt Hines' latest book, Full Funnel Marketing at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free marketinggrader.com all right back to matt and i thought i'd sneak in a little free ad for hubspot there it's one we run on the station before and probably isn't even aware that we had it here but thought i'd throw it in there i love it well thanks very much again for joining us everyone on sales pipeline radio we got just a few minutes here left with michael picky from hubspot and michael i think you know of all the other questions that we had uh, talked about in advance i think one that i think a lot of people you know it's always fun to hear from you know we always like talking about best practices but sometimes worst practices are just as valuable tell me a little bit about um you know what are some of the biggest mistakes you feel like you've made in the past and what have you learned from those you know i think it's uh, probably hard to point out one specific or two specific big mistakes that we've made or that i've personally made because there's actually just been so many um we have made so many mistakes i, I think the the one thing i would really note on mistakes is that all of them tend to originate from having a team that's not all on the same page. And so I think, um, you know, one thing that I really respect about, you know, Brian Halligan, our founder here at HubSpot, is, you know, he really describes his job as, uh, in a lot of ways, being uh, being a bus driver, right? His job is to get everybody on the bus, get the right people on the bus, and make sure that everybody understands where the bus is headed and make sure that we've got enough gas to get to our destination. And, and he uses that analogy, but um, it, it really is, in my mind, so important. Um, every every hurdle we faced, every obstacle we've had, every time it's felt like we were making mistakes, it's it's really that the team's not all on the same page about what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, and people aren't communicating well amongst each other. So, to the extent that you can get somebody in your organization that can that can really be the the bus driver, um, that prevents, I think, a, a tremendous amount of mistakes. Uh, from from being made, and uh, it prevents mistakes from getting worse when when you can 
spot them very quickly. You can spot those potholes and, and you can, uh, you know, get the team together to understand where we're going and where we're headed and, and fill them back in. So that's, that's the biggest learnings, I, I, honestly, I've had in, in regards to, to screwing something up or making mistakes. Now you've written you've written lately about sales forecasting and best practices for how to do that better. Yeah, why why do so many people get forecasting wrong? What's some of the common things people are doing, or in some cases not doing, um, that make that more difficult? Well, I think um, you know when people do forecasting, I think they tend to view it from one lens, right, or, or view it from one perspective. Uh, you know, I think the most common one is they look at a weighted average pipeline, right? And, and we're asking our sales team, you know, what's the forecast? And, and there's, there's just a tremendous amount of optimism that I think can generally get built into a lot of the forecasts, you know, that organizations are, are using. And, and they're primarily doing them through the concept of the weighted average pipeline. And, um, you know, they're really relying heavily on, you know, the frontline management and the sales team to, to report back on, you know, the quality of the pipeline. And I think that's a great approach. And I think it comes down to, doing that extremely well and building in great process to, you know, have consistent approaches to talking about deals and consistent ways to discuss opportunity and and specific exit criteria in your deals that start to add more predictability to that place. But then I think also there's a tremendous value in, uh, you know, cutting your forecast in in a couple of different ways and and looking at a couple of different iterations of types of forecasts that can actually, uh, you know, when you blend them together, help get you much closer to, you know, reality of where it's going to land and, and also help to give you opportunities to discuss why they seem to be so far off. So, you know, for instance, the weighted pipeline from the that gets reported up from the sales organization is one uh, way that we look at it internally at HubSpot. We'll also take a, a cut and we'll look at a strict like leads-based approach, right? How much demand did we actually generate in, you know, a specific time frame, and how much of that demand do we expect to close and what's the anticipated value based on, you know, uh, you know previous time periods that we've seen come from that demand? That's a really interesting indicator of how your forecast could land as well, right? So now when you start comparing those two, uh, you know, different cuts of your forecast against each other, it starts to provide, you know, interesting ways for you to diagnose why they may look different or, you know, why sales is saying that everything is going so great when really the demand doesn't suggest maybe that that's true. So you get different perspectives and it gives you ability to, to poke a little bit more at it. You know, approach I really like to forecasting is actually taking a expected value of created opportunity. So looking at a demographic lens as well as, you know, like a, like a lead score lens against any type of opportunity that comes into the pipeline and running again back on the expected value based on previous ASP and close rate, et cetera, and then starting to actually say, based on just the, the sheer opportunity creation that we've been able to accomplish in a specific time frame, what does that look like compared to your leads, compared to your uh, weighted pipeline? And I just think that anytime you get more data points and more insight into the funnel from different perspectives, it, it's going to make for richer conversation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get you much closer to the truth when you start to expose different things that you know, may or may not be you know, true or tight about the way that you are looking through one lens of it. So I think just... just appreciating to look at it from multiple perspectives and appreciating that unless you've got a a very systematic and crisp approach to the way that you discuss deals and talk about deals and forecast deals that everybody knows and understands, then you're probably dealing with a lot of hot air.
Awesome. We'll wrap it up here with Michael Pickey, the director of sales for HubSpot. Just a couple minutes left to go, Michael, but I wanted to ask you a question that we ask a lot of folks here, and this is a nod to Paul. We sometimes call this our Mount Rushmore of sales question. If you're thinking about uh, some of the people that you're learning from, the people who have been most influential for you in your sales career, uh, sources of information that are still valuable for you as you're learning, who who might be up on that Mount Rushmore of sales? Who do you look up to that's had the biggest influence for you in your sales education and learning so far? Well, uh, you know, there, I think there's definitely, you know, been a variety of folks who have contributed. I, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, Mark Roberge, uh was, um, you know, our VP of sales and, and chief revenue officer throughout, uh, you know, my early tenure here at HubSpot. And, you know, Mark took me under his wing and, and mentored me very early on. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners of this podcast are, are familiar with Mark or, or come across him before. But if you haven't heard of Mark, definitely search Mark Robert. He's he's over at Harvard Business School now, um, and he's got a fantastic book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, which I, I recommend to everybody who I offer uh, advice to in you know sales leadership or, or sales in general. And you know, I, I I can't thank Mark enough for his mentorship and, and what he's meant to me over the years. But you know, I love everything that that he has. I think. You know, our current uh, SVP of sales uh, at HubSpot, or I'm sorry, our chief sales officer, Hunter Madley, he's fantastic. Lifelong learner, um, real sales veteran. He's amazing and, and has brought me under his wing as well. And, you know, I've, I've just been lucky to, to, to work for folks who have been fantastic and have embraced me and, and who have been willing to mentor me and take the time. And so, so I, I've really been you know, phenomenally lucky there um, for the, for some of the sales leaders that I've worked under. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank again our guest today, Michael Picky from HubSpot. Really appreciate all your insights. We always run out of time before i able to get to all the questions you want to answer, but appreciate your insights. If you like this conversation, want to hear more of it, you want to share this with others on your team, you will get an on-demand version of this at any time up at Sales Pipeline Radio. And if you like what you're hearing, please check us out on the Google Play and the iTunes Store. You can subscribe to our podcast and check us every week. We are live on the Sales Lead Management Network at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific for my producer, Paul, I appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week. This is Matt Hines on Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio Network. Grant work listeners like you. Brought to you by Matt Hines, Hines Marketing.